Uh, David Ogilvie was named by uh, Time Magazine <coughs> as one of the top 100 most influential people of all of the 1900s. And he was the only uh, advertising marketing person who was, who was named that. Um, in his 30s, he had a big advertising agency. And the way that he won accounts is he was all about the results for the client. And then he read every book and listened to all the talks from all this competition. And he'd go into the pitch and say, here's what we do. Here's why it's different. I know exactly what my competition is going to say. They're doing this, this, and this. You can't track the results. We're a direct response, so you can. And they'd use coupons or driving people into store that week for a special offer, et cetera. And because of that, um, he was ultra successful and won over you know, uh, American Airlines uh, type accounts at a very young age because he was over-specialized. And that's what happened at the European Business Summit that I talked about earlier. It's like, why did, they, why did they invite me as a kid to be on stage when there's three prime ministers on stage? I shouldn't have been there. And so I was at least smart enough to realize, like, oh, I shouldn't be here right now. Like, why, why am I here? And it was because of that over-specialization that they perceived. And then they said, okay, we can trust. He's not going to mess it up too bad because he's written all this stuff. And they didn't bother to look up how old I was. So as every industry gets more competitive, um, then you have to do more unique things to survive, right? That's why this slide is so important. Everyone's industry is getting more competitive than it was before. Um, and, you know, 100 years ago, if you went to the cereal aisle, it was basically, you know, grits and oatmeal, and then that's all you're competing with. It's like scrambled eggs and things in other categories. Nowadays, you know, there's like the gluten-free, you know, uh, locally sourced, you know, blueberry flavored frosted mini wheats, not just frosted mini wheats like when we grew up, right? So everything it becomes more and more specialized, just like if you're investing in a healthcare business or a real estate business, whatever niche you're in, um, it needs to be more and more specialized just to compete and get people's attention. Uh, and the more that people evolve their abilities to raise capital from investors, the more that they're going to have more offers in front of them, especially family offices. Um, so to compete against the other people, you need to have a lot of this stuff lined up and professional and laced up, but also be unique in a way that no one else is doing or only one or two or three other people are doing like we showed in that small sandbox. And that way they might say, okay, I've heard of one person doing this before, but we didn't really like them or their fees are too high or they never called us back or we never met them. We just heard about them existing. So it's great that we got to meet you because we know there's only one or two people doing what you're doing. And that's the response you want. You want them to lean forward and say, oh, that's refreshing. I've never heard of anyone that does that. And we we're always frustrated by paying all these fees before anyone's made us a dollar of money. Or why should we have to pay a bunch of fees uh, before any benefits come to us? I actually think in the future, it'll be, there'll be companies that are so well capitalized and want to raise so much more capital that for the honor of investing the investor's money, maybe they'll pay the investor 10 basis points and then have a performance fee. Because why should they pay a fee? There should be no fee. Or maybe the Darwin German type company even pays them a little bit, and then they're going to make a whole bunch of money off of their money, right? Uh, right now, the industry is nowhere near that. Uh, very few firms are performance only. And that's the whole point of bringing it up. The ideas we bring up today, they're valuable because most people don't want to do them, can't do them, don't think they can do them. Their compliance officer said they can't do them, or they don't have the time to do it. And it just takes work and follow up and focus and intentionality. And Dan Sullivan's one of my mentors I mentioned earlier. He said the person who's most intentional in the room wins. That doesn't mean that other people lost. It means that you have an unfair advantage because coming in, you knew what five things you were trying to get done because you knew what trust curve you needed to move them up or you knew that they were connected to the number one association in that industry. And if you added a ton of value to them first, they would add value back to you. And that's just how business gets done. Some people don't understand that we're going to send out an email blast on this soon because it's been interesting to watch. But some people just don't understand like the laws of the jungle of like 
be nice to someone, maybe they'll be nice to you back, like treat someone well, and then they're likely to keep on helping you. And it's like relatively obvious stuff that people that didn't come up in the investment industry or don't deal with institutional capital or big investors seem to be kind of blind about how that works. Uh, and it's interesting to watch, like someone who's actually, like one of our family office club members said that they, they're a, like a placement agent, they help people raise capital. So to convince a company that was doing 12 million in revenue that they could help them raise capital, while they're still negotiating the terms of the deal, and say, no, it's not even papered yet, but I wanna show you guys that I'm gonna be really helpful. Let me just go and see if I can just like get an investor or two just from my conversations this week to, to introduce to you guys, whether they invest or not, you'll see my network's real. And they did that and not only made the introduction, but the group flew and met with them. The person ended up investing half a million dollars and then the placement agent went back to the company to sign the contract and get it going. It was like, oh great, I'm glad we got momentum. I mean, that was lucky. It's not gonna happen that one out of every three people invest. Um, so uh, he went forward assuming that that would be included. And they said, oh no, we didn't have a contract paper to that time. So that one doesn't count under our agreement. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, like, why are you biting my hand when I could raise five or $10 million for you? Like so short-sighted, <coughs> right? But in that person's mind, they were offended that he thought, oh, why would you get compensated? We didn't have an agreement. But like, that's not how the jungle works. Like, that's not how our industry works, right? You're either an upstanding person with high integrity and you do the right thing, whether it's papered yet or not, and it's a gentleman's agreement or a, I don't know the equivalent of saying a, a professional woman's agreement that you're not gonna like screw the person over and just have good intent and help people out, right? Uh, but some people just don't get that at all, so you gotta watch out for that. <laughs>